in the mighty words of the Sorcerer Supreme, it's the end game now. <laughs> this is the end game now. I feel like we should try to say that more in our daily life. You know, like if w- once all this is over and we're allowed to go to restaurants again, when we go to a mm-hmm. restaurant and like we finish our entree and it's time for dessert. When the server comes, we have to like lock eyes with the server and say, this is the end game now. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, I would love, I would love to do that. Order an end game, <laughs> order a plate and just look at that massive feast, you know, a giant rib plate and just be like, oh, this is the end game <laughs> <laughs> for my stomach. But yes, it's so like, good. It's, it's like your last meal and you're just like, well. It's the end game now. And all the, all the people working at the restaurant are like, those guys are creeping me out, man. They just keep talking about the end game. And one of them is like sitting on the table cross-legged. Like he's trying to have like an out-of-body experience. Can we please kick them out? <laughs> I, you know, at the same time though, I'd love to pay with uh, one rupee. <laughs> same. I want to, I want to just hold a, um, not a real world rupee because that's that's the currency of India and I'm sure it's just like regular money like bills or whatever. But I want to hold a high rule rupee from Zelda. Oh yeah, just yeah. like a chunky big green gem. I want to pay somebody with that. Be like, hey, I, I see you're selling bombs, good sir. Here's a <laughs> chunky green gem. Can I please buy some explosives off of you? What a world yeah. to live in. What a world that would be. I mean, I don't know how you definitely need an adult's wallet <laughs> to carry <laughs> it, but I don't think you'd be strong enough to carry it regardless. That's another thing I wish the real world had is when you go to buy a wallet, it's like, sir, what are you looking for today? I'm looking for an adult's wallet. And they're like, well, oh. <laughs> oh man, he's ready to store 300 rupees. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, welcome to Infinity Rewatch. I am Andrew Fantasia, and I am joined by the ever vigilant, ever proud, ever mar- what's the word? Um, true believer. He's always a true believer. Ryan J. Whitehead. What's up, man? Hey, Fantasia, man. Not much. Uh, you know, it's been a it's been a long ride with Infinity Rewatch already, <laughs> but we are we are at the end game now. <laughs> We are. <laughs> um, I'm actually really excited to do this one because this is uh, this is a uh, very this is a very sentimental movie and very nostalgic movie already. Um, fun fact, though, that when we when we did the recording of this, Endgame is no longer the highest grossing film of all time anymore. That's they were right. dethroned. Dethroned by? Do you think that's fair? Do you think it's fair uh, for? a re-release to count. Like, um, I feel like there should be two separate lists. One for like, okay, all together with re-releases and one that's just like, here's the money you made on your initial run in theaters. And that's the list that should hold more prom. That's the way I see it. You know, you're, you're not wrong. I think that, but at the same time, I think even for Avengers Endgame to, to win originally, they had to extend their box office mm. or... I don't think it was a re-release. I think it was like they extended it or something like that. But at the same time, I remember just being like, who cares? Like, like it's not because like, again, when you talk about stats, it's what numbers mean the most, right? Like, sure. Like you can look at, you know, the box office and how many people are paying to go see it. But at the same time, like it's not, it's not just about that. Like, for example, 
um, for example, when you look at someone streaming, it's a, you know, you should be looking at how many, it's not about how many followers you have at first. It's about how many viewers you have. And then with how many viewers you have, how many people are, how many of those viewers are actually watching the whole thing? You can have a crazy high viewer count, but only like they watch a minute and then they walk out. So that means that something's wrong, right? Like what do the numbers mean? So, so for me, cool avatar. Yeah. They made it back to the highest thing. But I agree with you. Like, did they need to do it? No, man. Like, you did it. You did it once. You were the highest grossing film of all time. Why do you need to come back and just be like, no, Avengers not allowed to be at the top. It's only us. Yeah. And I don't get it. It's not like, it's not even, it's not even like, it's not, I don't get it. Cause it's not even like one of those, it's just a one, it's, it's, it's this one movie and that they're building this universe was taking forever. And then on top of that, I'll take one step back and even say like, this is where the why the numbers thing. This is why the numbers thing needs to be looked at because Avengers can all be counted as one massive film. So why don't we tie in all the box office films together, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, uh, like I'm a big. I know I'm in the minority on this, but I'm a big fan of Avatar. I really liked that movie, and I, I think the mm. more I watch it, the more I like it. But it's. It is weird to have this back and forth. It feels kind of petty. It's like, let's re-release it so we can be on top again. And also, who's going to the movies right now in a pandemic? What's, <laughs> what's going on, dum-dums? Why are you making this, this number go up? What do you, yeah. you, who's walking into the movie theater and being like, I feel safe right now. Let's give Avatar more money. It's like, for Avatar, for a movie that's been out for 11 years, that's right? going to make you go to a theater in a pandemic? Well, Come on. There's there's some shady something's I don't I don't trust it. And 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 again, this is not coming from a place of Avatar hate, because I love me some Avatar, but something is rotten on Pandora. That's that's all I'm gonna say on yeah. the subject. Now, Avatar is a big, beautiful, long movie that starts with the letters A V, just like today's movie, Avengers mm-hmm. that game. And I think I wanna start off our discussion by bringing up that one particular feature about it, and that is the length. Ryan, do you remember how you reacted when you found out that this was going to be a three-hour movie? Because I remember how I reacted, and I can tell you it, there were some dances. There were some whoops of glee. I may yep. have honked my horn. <laughs> yep. Uh, what uh-huh. was your? What, do you remember what went through your head when you heard that news? Um, I... I was just, yeah, I think I was just, I wasn't like, oh my God, like, I wasn't like, like, just like telling everyone to get excited that it's like three hours long. I was just like, this is going to be awesome. It's three hours long. Like, that means I'm going to get lots of story. But I wouldn't say like, I was super like crazy because it was three hours. I was just like, I was happy to see, I was happy, I was content. I was content to see that it's going to be three hours long. Because that means they're going to take the time they need to tell a really good story. I like that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. as it should be. When it comes to something like this, that's part of something so grand. That's how how it should be. Like, yeah, they're they're not trying to rush this. This is the story they have to tell. And yeah, it's going to take this long to tell it. So they're going to take that long to tell it. They're not going to be like, well, because of Hollywood standards, let's, uh, let's <laughs> chop it up. Let's do like the Hunger Games and chop it in two because that seems, the charts say that that's what the demographics like. No, they're, they're <laughs> focusing on the art first, as they mm-hmm. should. So thank you, Russos, 
for making a three-hour superhero movie. The day has finally come when that's happened. I um, will add, I will hmm. add though, that, that what got me excited about the three hours was for me, I was like, okay, it's three hours long. You know, that means I started like, I started speculating. I'm like, okay, they have to, they have to kind of wrap up Cap and Iron Man story and like their, their dispute that's going on. And then we kind of got to learn what's going on with Thor uh, after Ragnarok. Uh, so like that for me, I was like already kind of going through the nitpicking process. So that, that's what got me excited was like, and then I would like check the cast list. I'm like, okay, is there anyone on this cast list that seems like that they're not like that, that they gave like a fake name and that they're going to introduce or something like that. Like I had high expectations going into this film. Cause I, when I saw the trailer um, and they showed, they kind of, kind of teased the, the rainbow bridge going into uh, the sanctum sectorum. And then you see just like Hulk there. I was like, okay, so clearly they're doing like the, the silver surface story. Like I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, so that means they could do this. But um, the big the big debate was Peter Dinklage. Who is Peter Dinklage uh, going to play in, in in Endgame? And that was that was a a lot of debate going on there because there was a lot of theories going around that he was like this. Uh, can't remember. He's kind of like this. Um, oh man, he was this character that like he's this character that hangs out with like Mephisto and Death a lot that he could have been, and everyone's like losing their mind. So. That's where, for me, that's where the excitement of the, the three hours was coming from is like, okay, so I know I ha they have three hours to work with. What characters are they putting on the roster and, and how are they telling you? Well, wait, Dinklage was, uh, that was Infinity War, wasn't it? I think, yeah, uh, that was Infinity oh, War. Sorry, yes, Dinklage. sorry, yeah. yes, that was Infinity War. But still, my point is, was there any cast people that like, was there any casting in there that may have, may or may not have had somebody that I like, didn't know who was going to be what. Right. And with Endgame, I don't remember being sort of like on tenterhooks about a cast member, as far as I can remember. Because I, mm -hmm. does this movie even introduce anybody new? Technically, tech, it doesn't really introduce anybody. Because, like, in terms of Captain Marvel being there, um, yeah. I was like, okay, is now Captain Marvel going to open up the doors a little bit? There was rumors circulating that uh, that we were going to see Nova. Oh, okay. Yeah, there were rumors circulating that we were going to see Nova, and and other rumors suggesting that we were going to see Adam Warlock. Oh, yeah, you're right. Those I remember. I remember the Adam yeah. Warlock ones. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. I think the the rumor mill excitement for me was more like who's coming back that we haven't seen in a while. You know, there were whispers of, um, of Jane Foster, which we ended up yeah. sort of getting, uh, there were whispers of uh, not even whispers, but everybody knew like we're getting Hawkeye. He's, he's coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it was like, you know, it had me wondering, especially because we kind of knew beforehand going in that time travel was going to be a thing. I don't know mm -hmm. if that was spoiled or just people guessed, but that made me think like, okay, are we going to see, you know, Ironmonger again? Are we going to see Christine Everhart? Because we know she'll be important. Uh, are we going <laughs> to like, what, who's coming back in the time travel? And I, I think that was in my head for a bit, but then I just kind of got swept up in the, the idea of just seeing the culmination. And that was what was yeah. exciting to me is seeing an ending and not just an ending too, but like the ending to that story that 
we got in Infinity War. And I think from a writing standpoint, I, I, I don't think they could have picked a better place to start this movie, Ryan, because how do you start a movie that follows Infinity War? I think the best thing to do is, hey, here's Hawkeye's family eating hot dogs. And then <laughs> they're gone. And you do not snap away Linda Florentino. I'm oh, sorry. I did that again. Linda Cardellini. That's the second <laughs> time I made that mistake. I'm sorry. I mixed yeah. them up a lot. I think they were both in Kevin Smith movies. So that's why mm. where my brain goes. But you don't snap away Linda Cardellini without me having anything to say about it. Um, right. That is exactly where this movie needed to start. I don't know. What, do you agree? I do. I actually do need to agree with that because Hawkeye is one of the big Avengers. So it's definitely good to see like where he what, what he was up to because we knew through the story of Ant-Man, which took place, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which took place between uh, Infinity War and Endgame, that they said like, oh, uh, Clint and uh, Clint and uh, Ant-Man took a deal. So we know that that Hawkeye was off the roster, right? So, but it still begs the question, what was he up to? And which is interesting because it starts off with him training his daughter uh, as like a Hawkeye character, right? So though we know that like, Kate Bishop is not related to uh, Clint. What what it did tease, though, was the idea that what it did tease was the idea that Hawkeye is looking to pass on his legacy. Yeah, and Marvel legacy has been a big thing for you, and it's going to be a big thing. It sounds like it's a big thing for Feige, especially going into Phase Four. Like, sounds no, like Marvel yeah. legacy is what he's trying to uphold, and that makes sense because, realistically speaking. In 20 years, will there be an MCU? And if so, who's in it? Because it's probably not going to be Hemsworth and, and RDJ, right? So, like, how do you keep the MCU going? You just, it, it, it's uh, it, its almost like a high school. You just, some people graduate and then the new kids come in. And then they graduate yeah. and the new kids come in. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's going to, I, I mean, it, will the MCU end? I don't know. That's topic for another day, but that's something that I think they're already trying to get ahead of by introducing concepts like this. And yeah. Hawkeye, Hawkeye, it was obviously nice to have Hawkeye back. He tends to get shortchanged in the odd numbered Avengers movies. So having him in the even numbered ones evens it out uh, and seeing him uh, with his family during the, just seeing anything of people experiencing the snap, like how we did in WandaVision 2, experiencing them coming back. It's always going to get me. Like, it, it's just hauntingly cool. Um, and we we get some more cool little team-ups uh, in this uh, in this movie that I always like to see. I always like to see, you know, heroes teaming up that you never would imagine together. And we start off yep. with a cool one with Nebula and Iron Man. Who would have thunk? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, but it's kind of cool because it's such a nice nod to when Iron Man was with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it was nice that... It was nice that we got that kind of comic reference without it being a good comic reference. Um, I will say, though, the trailers were really fun because they did a lot of those black and whites with like a small splash of color uh, mm. throughout it, throughout the trailers. And the, all the trailers started with that speech that he that he start uh, that Tony, Tony Stark does um, in the uh, in the movie. And I love I do love it, though, because I agree with you. I liked I liked how weird the relationships were between the characters. I mean, in the last movie, we had Thor meet up with the Guardians um, and uh, and all that stuff. So I, it's really like 
it's really focused on the aftermath of a war and they really do a good job of, of taking you through the paces of this whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean the, the speech, you really feel it, man. You really feel what he's going through with Pepper and he's done it before in Iron Man three, did the video message for her then. Um, or I think it was the voice message. And, uh, and I like that, uh, <laughs> I like that Nebula doesn't know like little mannerisms and stuff like that. So he's just like, he has to be patient and work through it. But at the same time, it's interesting to see how his skill helps them because, you know, he's, even though he's from earth, he seems to still have an understanding of spaceships and uh, how to fix them. Yeah. And not only that, but he has an understanding of being a human, which she does. And so he's teaching her these little, these little games that we used to play in like the cafeteria and flicking straws and stuff. And I don't know, I'm bad at spotting, like, I, my eyes are bad at telling the difference between what's real and what's CGI. Mm -hmm. But when he's on the ship with Nebula, I notice Tony looks really malnourished and emaciated. And I don't know if that was CGI, because I don't remember RDJ ever saying he had to lose, like, scary amounts of weight for this role. So I think it, I think it was CGI, although it was really convincing. <laughs> Yeah, because he's just, I'm looking at him like, damn, that guy needs a sandwich. Mm -hmm. And uh, and speaking of sandwich, I noticed something else that was kind of funny uh, in regards to Captain America. Uh, there's a scene early on in the movie where he's uh, shaving off his beard. And I, he's looking in the mirror and I'm looking at him. And I'm like, he is fully wearing guy liner right now. Like, he's, <laughs> he's totally 100% he's got guy liner on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody freeze frame that and make that a meme. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, I know, I know a, a couple ladies were pretty upset that he shaved the beard because he looked uh, pretty ruggedly handsome. With, he uh, looked with that pretty beard. fine with that beard. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I was very upset. I the hair, the hair and the beard, <laughs> solid. solid. Uh -huh. That's American right? beard. beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Isabella, Isabella was very upset that he lost the beard. Not over it. Not over. And then she's probably thinking, well, at least Thor still has hot abs, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Isabella probably was at first was like, oh, I still have Thor. And then Thor goes through an emotional drama. <laughs> no, no, we're talking like the, the talking, big Lebowski Thor. Oh. We're talking chubby Thor. <laughs> Could that great point? I mm -hmm. couldn't agree more. That is absolutely. Oh, I love that for sure. He, I think, uh, I but I, I mean, they do it in a in in a great way. Not only do they explore it, but they approach it in a in a way that's not too like super depressing. <laughs> like they do it, they do have fun with it. They do have yeah. fun with it. But but yeah. So so speaking of like, I love that Captain Marvel ends up catching up with. Stark brings him to the, the back to the Avengers base. Um, what I love in the scene when they're talking about what happened, they're they're going over everything that happened. Um, that I love when Tony hits him hard. That he that he was like he was trying to say he was right, and he's like, oh, you know, we said we lose together, and we said we would lose, and you said we do that together too, like. That scene is so well done. You just, I love how he hits home. He hits home 
And I love that they're bickering at each other because that's something that Marvel does so well is that the heroes, they don't all get along. And I love that when Cap, in a, in a sense, Cap was wrong, he like drills him home for it. He's like, you said we'd lose. And we did that together too. And he's like, I said we should do a suit of armor around the world. Do you remember that? And he's like, no, but we do things after the fact. Like he just, he he hits home on so many points and it's and it's just so amazing to see how angry he is it's so good and that can get lost on the shuffle for a lot of people who might not remember because there's so many movies in between but it's their first time being in the same room since that bunker in civil war when they beat the poop out of each other so Mm -hmm. that's awkward that's an awkward conversation and i think you know if it had not been for the tragedy that happened with the snap this would have been a very different meeting if it had just been Mm -hmm. like okay you know, we beat Thanos at the end of Infinity War in Wakanda. We beat him. He didn't get a chance to snap anything away. The meeting in that parallel universe, the meeting, the reunion between Captain America and Iron Man would have been a very mm. different story. And it might have even yeah. been uglier. It might have uh, gotten to some darker places again, because I think this whole tragedy is the one thing that stopped them short of being like, well, screw you, brah. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, it kind of humbled them both. It did. It did. It, it definitely humbled them both. But so Captain Marvel's now in the mix and she's like, and I, I, I still think as we talked about Captain Marvel in our last podcast, which again, if you're not subscribed to the Rebel Scum Podcast Network, hit that subscribe button, check out those podcast episodes. Um, but our episode on, uh, our episode on, Captain Marvel, I I actually do think that she needs to learn. She eventually will learn leadership, like how to be a leader. Because in this particular scene, they're all talking about it. They're like, okay, here's what we know. They're all comparing notes. um, And they're all like talking about it. And she and they're like, okay, well, where is he? And then they're like, okay, well, we know where he is. They figured it out. And she's like, okay, well, let's go get him. Like she just like doesn't even talk to the group. She's just like, let's go do it. So I do think there actually is a lot of potential in her story that they could deep dive into further with this whole, like this can do attitude of like, she just has this power. She can do it. Um, and I love how, I love that Stark is like, he's like, yo, you're, you're new, you're new blood. We need you. Like, that's like, that's the attitude we should have had like kind of thing. Right. Which is what, which is what Tony Stark had is like, okay, well, why don't we take the fight to him kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's what so, makes this whole opening prologue of this movie so shocking in a way is that it's, it throws you for a loop. It doesn't follow the beats of a, yeah. of a superhero story. And the, the Captain Marvel thing, I just, I have to say, you know, we've talked about our, our crushes in the MCU and um, how, you know, my, my biggest crushes are, are Valkyrie and Peggy Carter. But I will say, when Captain Marvel walks up to Thor and just stares him in the eye, I'm like, I kind of get bashful and I stare at my TV. I'm like, hi, Brie. You can, you can stare at me like that if you want. I'm not going to mind. Uh, so the, the, this, her arrival leads to this series of events, like you're saying, like, let's take the fight to Thanos. And then along comes one of my favorite moments in this three-hour movie, which is full of moments. So this is quite a feat, but... I don't think anybody was expecting, boom, we killed Thanos five years later. I don't think we all knew time travel was coming into play. We all had our our weird WikiLeaks 
you know, foreshadowing of what was going to happen in this movie. But I don't think a soul walked into that theater thinking mm -hmm. they're going to jump ahead five years unless there's like some weird like psychic dude who's just like, hey, man, I know. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I think it was brilliant because like I know there was heavy debates on on Infinity War and Endgame being one movie and then they had to separate it. But I think it was smart. Not only do they separate it, but you get you start off instantly in the aftermath, like you mentioned before. You start off instantly in the aftermath of the events, and then there's a five year jump in the time, right? And yeah, and what the best part is is like Thor didn't even like Thor doesn't even hesitate. Like he just like he they just get in there, get their answers, and then he just goes for it. Like he just takes them out, and you can see he struggles with his with his uh with his regrets you know like you, you see he struggles with it and yeah like he just i think there was there was a gasp moment in my theater when people were just like <gasps> like like he did it like he just did it he went for it um and there was that pause and then the beautiful part of that pause is they insert that five years later like five years later kind of thing yeah and and the whole world is the world is an interesting spot. And I always love movies that kind of explore the experiment of like, okay, if this happened, especially in the, the world of Marvel, it's like, if this happened, what would they be doing? And uh, there's so many good, good arcs. And I mean, I know we'll, we'll get, we'll deep dive into this, this scene, this particular shot soon, but um, I love cap is running like these, uh, these meetings for everybody to help them heal and recover like cap playing this very motivational kind of person uh which is funny because jim starlin's one of the people uh the guy who wrote the comic is or created the comic he's in the uh he's in the group oh, uh cool. yeah and um and then on top of that they also have the director it's good to see joe russo uh but what i love this what i love about this is that um, you know, New York, like Cap talks about seeing a pot of whales, right? Like, like uh, that they're seeing in New York and all this stuff. So I love that. I love that we're seeing like the evolution of what the world could have been like had like half the population gone, and in five years, what what the city looks like. Um, I love how quiet it is. But I have to also say that I love Widow in this one. I think Widow. I I don't know. I think the Russos knew exactly how to put these characters in the right places. Because I love how Widow is trying to be Fury, but she can't handle it. Like, she just can't handle that there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. She makes um, a mean so peanut butter sandwich, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, but that's it. Like, I just love how, like, she's like, okay, like, like she talks about this this earthquake underwater, which everyone was like, oh, it's Namor. Namor is coming. Um, but Okoye mentions there's an earthquake underwater, so clearly something happened. We may get to get some hint of that. Um, I I actually may take a wild stab in the dark here and say that I actually think that they may go for a Namor story in Fantastic Four. Wow, you think they'll wait that long, huh? I think, well, I, I think they will. Um, I They could do it in Black Panther. They could get away with it in Black Panther because they set it up. Yeah. But But I think that you could do... You could even do a setup between Atlantis and, and Latveria versus like Wakanda. But I, 
you know, in terms of rumors and stuff, that kind of goes a little above and beyond. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's it goes back to us talking about Wandavision, where like one little thing could be a, a massive thing. Yeah. But in in my theory, there is a comic book with the Fantastic Four, one of the firsts, where uh, Johnny Storm goes to a bar and finds this, this Atlantean looking dude at the bar and then he he uses his, his powers to burn away the beard and he finds out it's namor and then there's like some civil war going on in his uh in his world so when he did that was namor like oh my god my beard is on fire yeah. like was he freaking out or was he just, no, every time uh, i've seen namor in anything he's always like i'm super calm all the time like did he freak out and scream he actually has a lot of anger issues um very much like you've seen in in the dc cartoon of aquaman just hating what they call surface dwellers um but there's uh namor something happens to namor that he loses his memory so that's why he's found in the bars this kind of like hobo looking dude um and then because the fantastic four go like do diplomatic missions to different cities and planets and stuff um, they find out that they're, they're they're missing Namor, and then Johnny Storm finds him in a bar, and then there's this whole story from there. So it's very possible, but I love that they pointed that out, that there's this earthquake underwater, and she's like, oh, do we need to deal with it? They're like, it's underwater. Like, yeah. as if it's not anything big. I still don't get the constant nod to Captain Marvel having to deal with problems that we just are not privy to. Like, like. Like, it's bad. Okay, tell us how bad it is. Like, well, all that, we know is that it's that it's really, really bad and she's taking care of it. That's the thing that really impresses me. Uh, like, that shot of, of Thor walking away and then we cut to black and we literally move ahead in five years. It, it's like that moment in 2001 A Space Odyssey where the, they, he goes through the wormhole and he sees all these colors flashing out of him. And he's like, oh, it was, <laughs> I, I was like that. But instead of colors, it was storytelling potential. Like I saw those words five years later and I realized like the rest of the movie is going to take place after this five-year gap. And I was just like, oh my God, so much could have happened. And, and that <laughs> took me on this weird journey in my brain. And now it's sort of, it, it gives me this kind of cool, sense of grab bagness that i previously only had in things like star wars where like if they announce you know tomorrow there's a new star wars movie coming out called the adventures of pete and you know my first question is when does it take place because there's a whole lot of time in the star wars world with marvel i never had that issue it's just like there's a new movie coming out called the adventures of pete great i guess it takes place right after whatever the last movie was now i'm not so sure because now yeah. I'm thinking, okay, you know, Hawkeye, that Disney Plus Hawkeye series, when he's training Kate Bishop, is that in that five-year gap where he's Ronin? Like, is that there or is it after? And now there's so much to play with because we know, we know for a fact that there's a bazillion cool Marvel stories in that five-year gap that are waiting, itching to be told. And there's yeah. a bazillion cool stories moving forward. So now it becomes a grab bag. Like what happened in those five years? How is that going to affect what's happening moving forward? Does WandaVision, uh, like, you know, we know it takes place after Endgame because we see Monica come back, but did anything in those five years, you know, affect the characters in WandaVision that we haven't heard about yet? Like, Like Jimmy Woo, like there's so much to go on there. Darcy, Darcy was just, bumming around for five years as far as we know i don't think she got snapped away 
So there's so much in there that that reveal in the theater made me think, this is what I want. And I was so pleased that it left that gap open for further storytelling down the road. I couldn't agree more. I actually, one thing I will add to that too, is I think that you're right. And and the reason why I know you're right and, and why it's exciting is because Kevin Feige mentions he's a huge fan of Star Wars. Like he's a huge fan of Star Wars. And it's, it, it's going to be very much like Star Wars in the sense that it seems like you, now you can just be like, okay, in that five years, yeah, I'm going to tell an event like like Rogue One, for example. I'm going to tell a small event, but it has such a big impact and like the massive scale of things, right? Mm-hmm. So you can really just go anywhere with it. So you're absolutely right. I think that I think that you can now tell these stories, and really, I think the big question the big question is with that phrase is like, okay, if that's true. So that leaves for debate, like Fantastic Four. Are they going to be modern day heroes? Or are they going to be time travelers, right? Like, are they going to come from... Or are we just going to see their story like Captain Marvel? Like, are we going to see it in like the 90s? Like, you know, at this point, you you have such a plethora to work with. Like, I love... We talked about it in the past with Ant-Man. Like, I love how Ant-Man takes place in the 80s. And we know that S.H.I.E.L.D. used Ant-Man as like this... As this spy uh doing espionage in like russia and like in like sabotaging all like the the things that could have escalated so many things into war so like okay maybe there were other heroes at that time doing like along with ant-man but ant-man's just not talking about it like we don't know we don't know but i i love the possibility that you know you could literally throw in anything like moon knight for example where is moon knight going to take place exactly and like he if if Moon Knight shows up in the post credit scene of Shang Chi, just for example, let's say Shang Chi, yeah, let's say Shang Chi's post credit scene, he's like, man, I sure am glad I stopped the Mandarin. Now I'm gonna go have some shawarma. And oh, who's this guy in the shawarma place? It's Oscar Isaac, and he's like, hey man, I have moon powers. What's up? Uh, and it's <laughs> clearly I should be writing all of this dialogue. Uh, <laughs> but. If he's already, if Mark Spector is already Moon Knight in that scene, then that Disney Plus series can absolutely take place in the five-year gap. And I, I'm willing to to bet right now. Um, I think that Captain Marvel two, at least one scene of Captain Marvel two, is going to take place in those five years. I think you will get your wish, Ryan, and you will see a taste of what problems she's dealing with, um, because it's. There's a lot of Captain Marvel we need to peel back still. There's a lot of layers to her. So I think that that five-year gap, we know she's running around doing stuff. It's going to come into play. I don't think it'll be the whole movie because uh, Spectrum has to play a part and Miss um, Marvel. So I think there's going to be a little bit, whether it's a flashback or a prologue or whatever, but I think you'll get your wish and you'll see, you'll see something. Kind of like the Captain Marvel 2's version of Winter Soldier's Batrock the Leaper scene, where he's yeah. like, yeah, we're going after Batrock. It has nothing really to do with what's going on. It's going to be that. It's going to be her doing a thing. And she's like, boy, I sure am glad we're living in the middle of the five-year gap right now. Uh, <laughs> just, so all, just so we all know exactly when it takes place. And then they'll jump forward in time and all will be well. Um, speaking of time, though, I had a question for you uh, about science and timey science. Because oh, I was a little confused by one thing. Do they ever explain in this movie how Ant-Man 
is in the quantum realm for five years. And then he comes out. And I think he says, if I remember right, uh, it feels like I was in there for five hours. Yeah. Do they ever explain why it was only five hours for him? But when Janet went in the quantum realm, she was in there for like real time. Like she was in there for 20 years or whatever it actually was. No, it's like, I don't think they explain it per se. What they try to convey is that time, like time moves differently. And and you have to also understand is that she was in a different part of the quantum realm. So time can move very differently. Like, it's just like, it's all just, um, it's kind of a gamble, right? Like, it, like for him, like Ant-Man tries to, Ant-Man's the anchor point because Ant-Man was trying to say like, okay, I was in the quantum realm and the, the quantum realm, it was for, for me, it was five hours. So for, for, for Janet, I think that even though you could argue that time still moved like the same for Ant-Man, like for uh, Paul Rudd, sorry, Scott Lang, <laughs> same could be applied for Scott Lang in terms of movement of time. But for her, like, yeah, like she still ages the same, even though it's only five hours, like just, but you have to look at it as it simultaneously, even though it's like five hours in there for her, it could be like, you know, 20 hours, but she still aged like 20, like 20 years. But like, it's she, very confusing. Yeah. Nobody, I think there's, okay. I, I think the only way to look at it is like, yes, the same time mechanics still apply, but she still ages normally. And she's probably what for her, it feels like it's been forever. Okay. That's fair. And I think, I think quantum mania might answer some of these questions and might kind yeah. of be, cause, cause I like, I like what you what you just said a minute ago about how different pockets of the quantum realm might have different rules. Yeah, so kind of cool. It's like you're almost like you go, you peel back a curtain and you step on the other side, and all of a sudden things are different. Yeah, uh, that makes it a whole lot scarier. I don't ever want to go to the. Don't ever let me go to the quantum realm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. If I'm I never super and I'm like, just, I'm gonna just go. I don't care. I'm just gonna go shrink. I don't care anymore. Just don't let me. You know, if people always talk about it, like how exciting it would it be to have Ant-Man's powers. And and again, that cartoon I love so much, uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It's scary, man. Like Ant-Man's powers are no joke. Like they are legit scary as hell. Like the fact that they're, the fact that you can go subatomic and that's a whole different universe. Like Ooh, terrifying. No, thank crazy. you. No, yeah. thank you. I'll take uh, Captain America's powers any day of the week. Thank you very much. Or, or <laughs> Tony Stark's money. Uh, speaking of Stark, he goes through a beautiful change in these five years, doesn't he? He is living he does. the dream. Living mm -hmm. the dream. With, what's his daughter's name? Uh, uh, Morgan. Morgan. Morgan Stark. Um, this was, again, a sweet surprise. I don't think anybody walked into this movie because, again, we didn't know about this five-year jump. So I don't think anybody walked in thinking, he's going to have a daughter, too. Like it, it was one beautiful surprise after another. Um, I, I noticed Tony has something in his kitchen that my aunt has, which is he's got a little, it's like a little ceramic house that you put tea bags in and it says tea on it. And you like take mm -hmm. the roof off. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was cool. I was like, yeah, Iron Man's got a little tea house. Um, Morgan, tell me about her. Is she a thing in the comics? Is this she, uh, legit? Yep. Yep. She is a thing in the comics. She is a legit character. Um, 
Uh, actually, there's a lot of kids in this one. I will say there are, there's a lot, yeah. there's it's a the lot phantom of phantom menace of Marvel movies. <laughs> uh, yes, Morgan H. Stark is her name. Um, now, in the comics, uh, she was more of a. Uh, in the comics, she was more of a cousin. A cousin. <laughs> It was a cousin, um, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't nearly as wasn't nearly as important to Tony Stark as as being the daughter. But yes, oh. she's a real character in in the comics. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting to see that they did that. But I think it was smart because for Iron Man, like uh, for Tony's journey in the story, you look at this first film, and it's all about he talks about this is my legacy, like. You know, I'm leaving weapons for everyone to like kill each other. Like this, we could do better, right? Like, and he starts realizing that he needs to make, he needs to be the difference uh, and start, you know, leaving a better legacy, right? Mm -hmm. Then in Iron Man 2, um, he kind of gets drunk on his own ambition um, and just like realizes that like, no matter what he does, he's just poisoning himself. Um, and, and he's just, he's essentially killing himself faster. And then he realizes that's not the way to do it. And then three, he learns that he can, you know, he needs to build a more stable relationship with Pepper and that she's the only one that cares for him, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, but he realizes that Iron Man may be the problem, but he needs to leave a solution as, cause he can't be there all the time. Like what, what happens if he does die? Like what happens? Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it was smart to give him a daughter, uh, a daughter as a character, because um, you could see that he starts building armor for Pepper, um, and because we get to see the the helmet. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, at the same time, uh, that's I think that was why it was smart to do it because he's talking about leaving a legacy behind, and he knows he learns very quickly through Age of Ultron. And they can't just build robots and expect them to protect the world. Like that's not going to work. You need, you need to listen to cap and believe in people. And that's where the kind of beauty of the dispute comes from is, is that, you know, he, he, he focuses on like making pepper and armor just in case whatever happens, she's protected. And then because in Iron Man three, when they were attacked, his armor had to be on her and then be on him and so he's always constantly learning and he i love that he figured out the uh in the infinity war he figured out the nanotech which is really yeah. cool but yeah i think that was i think that's why as a storyteller i think that's why it was smart to have a daughter so now he better understands like the kind of legacy he can leave it was and she like we know she's going to come into play again. Like we have not seen the last of Morgan. And it's interesting you, you bring this up and about the legacy thing too, because literally right before we started recording, uh, I've been reading a, a book I got for Christmas. I got uh, the once in future King by TH white, which I've always wanted to read all my life. Uh, I, I don't, have you read it? I have not. I, I I'm shaking my head, but I'm like, no, <laughs> I have not read it, but it sounds really good. It's the, it's basically the story of King Arthur and Merlin and the Knights of the round table. But told in a sort of like it was written in the fifties and it's told in a sort of kid friendly way ish. I don't know. It's hard to describe, um, but it's, it's very well written. And I just finished reading. I'm very close to the end. Uh, so spoilers for anybody who doesn't want to know here, but there's a part where uh, the part where I'm at King Arthur is super old. He's like in his sixties, which was super old back then. And he's in the middle of a war and uh, he's sitting alone in his tent and he's contemplating this war and everything. 
and he's all defeated and forlorn because all his knights of the round table have been, you know, died or, or been killed. And like this ideal that he had of these knights and everybody sitting equally around this table and going off and being chivalrous and doing things for the good of humanity and just being good people. This whole idea is starting to crumble because of all the war that's happening. And he's kind of like on his last legs there. And his, uh, his assistant comes in, this like 12 year old boy comes in and is like, pardon me, your majesty, is anything you need, whatever. And uh, he like, Arthur is like, no, I don't need anything. And then he stops him before the boy can leave. And he's like, Hey, what's your name kid? And the kid's like, my name's Thomas. And, Arthur's like, sit down, let, let me, let's like talk to me for a second. And Thomas tells him like, oh, tomorrow in the battle, I'm going to go and I'm going to fight for you, my king. I'm going to, I have a bow and arrow. I've been training. I'm going to go and I'm going to kill as many of your enemies as I can. And Arthur says, you know what? As your king, I'm commanding you right now. I don't want you to go fight tomorrow. And Thomas is like, well, what do you mean, sir? I've got me bow and arrows and I'm all ready. And the king said, the king basically tells him like, all these years ago, when I was your age, I had this ideal and I became king and I set to work and I built this round table and I had all these knights and we we had this grand idea for the world and it slowly fell apart. And he goes, I'm old, I'm sick, I'm like infirm. Tomorrow, I'm probably going to die on the battlefield. And that means my my vision is going to die with me. And I don't want that. So he tells the boy to not go fight, but instead to go back to his hometown and try to keep that ideal alive. He, he, he likens it to like holding a candle. And even though wind is blowing, he goes, I want you to keep that flame going, no matter how much wind blows on you. And he says, that's, I want you to uphold that legacy. And that means more to me than you going out and shooting like 20 of my enemies with a bow and arrow tomorrow. And so the kid does that and he goes off and he, he continues the legacy. And I, and I think it's so, it was such a, it might've been my favorite one of the books so far. And it's so yeah. cool that it, like Iron Man is essentially trying to do the same thing because he knows he's not going to be doing this for the rest of his life. Like he can't. So it's, it's very, and, and that goes, that, that's almost meta in a way. Like Kevin Feige knows, like I only have Chris Evans for so many movies. I only have Scarlett Johansson for so many movies, but the Avengers have to live on because they're more than just these individuals. They're an ideal. They're the Knights of the Round Table. So let's keep that candle burning. Absolutely. Uh, and I actually love that tie-in. That sounds like a great story. Um, I think that you're absolutely right. And and it, it does feel like that's where it's going because Kevin Feige always said like why he loved and, and of course he had no choice but to start with the Avengers, but why he decided to build on it um, was that the Avengers is a rotating roster. You can yeah. kind, of, kind of transition things out. But at the same time, you know, you know, it sucks. It sucks now that we finally have all the MCU characters because, you know, all these stories you could tell with the the originals would be really cool. But at the same time, I think it's smart. I think the limitations are always I, I am one of those people that firmly believe that limitations make you more creative when you're yes. limited. You kind your mind kind of figures out more clever ways to do things. Um, so, yeah, I think that. Uh, uh, I think that the interesting thing here is, is that uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that Tony Stark takes that flame and he realizes like, look, pseudo armor around the world thing didn't work. Um, people like he, he went out and believed in people and got, got uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man and, and he lost that. He lost that. So he's like, look, like we lost, like the, that's it. Like we're done. And then like Thanos did his thing and left. So he's like, okay, if, if, if 
half the world is gone and there's no real evil out there. I should just raise people to protect themselves and, and raise his family to, to do that. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's teaching Morgan. She's going to be a tough kid. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, uh, if I may be snarky for a moment here, I'm going to be a little snark, be a little troll. What do you think was easier for Tony to accomplish creating a new element or inventing time travel? Uh, I think in terms of the way they portrayed it, they made inventing a new element was pretty hard <laughs> like based on, based on all the construction and everything he had to do. I mean, the, the time machine, like he's like, yo, Friday, let's build it. And like, it just kind of figured itself out. Um, but I, I guess that, uh, I guess that the, yeah, I would say the time machine should have been harder, but the, the the second film, he went through like hell and high water to get that thing figured out. Um, actually, okay, so talking about the time heist, first of all, I want to say that it was interesting how they brought Scott Lang back. I kind mm-hmm. of felt that though. I felt that it was kind of cheeky. Like it was like, oh yeah, this this rat just decides to bite the wrong thing, and then boom, he comes out. But like, I think there should have been, I don't know, like a fail safe where like the battery, like, you know, before the battery dies, it shoots him out. I don't know. Ooh. It just felt kind of Disney-ish, I guess. Like, you know, like Cinderella. But mm. hey, it's still, I bought it. Like, I'll, I'll run with it. And it makes sense. Like, yeah, rats, you know, sniffing around, bites a circuit, causes it to spark, and then shoots the machine. Um, but uh yeah i felt that was kind of weird uh but the other thing i love is like the time heist thing that that's got because this whole thing is heists in every every movie essentially so far that he's done so i thought that was pretty cool um and i i love his talk with with stark and like he's like a ton he's like um he's like oh and what is it you wanted to do and he's like a, a time heist <laughs> i thought it was brilliant um and then i i love again we're seeing a lot of evolutions of characters we're seeing professor hulk which i thought was really cool with mm-hmm. uh with mark ruffalo yeah. i think it's actually a really smart way to kind of get you used to the idea of she hulk already because she hulk she hulk is not like you know you're like hulk smash very limited speech type of character so i think it was actually kind of smart to kind of introduce what hulk could be if if someone was fully able to control the Hulk. And also hopefully foreshadowing for Red Hulk, because I really want to see Red Hulk. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if we will. I, it's possible. It's it's. I still think it's a stretch. It's a stretch, but it's a sexy stretch. <laughs> it's if it's sexy. not, like, like it, it doesn't have to be Thunderbolt. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it could be somebody else. But just the idea of seeing a Red Hulk, it just feels so MCU right now like it just it feels right um uh, yeah i really want that to happen uh the the time travel rules took me some getting used to because every time you watch anything with time travel you kind of have to lock yourself into what rules they say because it's always different uh I, i personally always prefer the whole whatever happened happened rules of like lost because it's just easier to wrap my brain around but in this one it looks like you can only go to the past doesn't look like time traveling to the future is at all possible. And you can change things, but you're just creating split timelines every time you do it in a flash kind of situation. That seems yeah. to be, am I, am I right? Is that, am I hitting all the right notes here in terms of this? 
so of course uh, marvel tries to do tries to explain science to a point where it's like believable i guess um that's why like things like thor like like stanley didn't like the fact that superman can just fly he wants to know how superman can fly like so that's why with thor when he flies he spins the hammer and then and the hammer carries him right um but the same goes with the science they actually do their best to consult like with scientists like what it would be like so the rules of time according to this movie is is that i think actually quite the opposite you can travel because like because remember dr strange was able to travel forward because he had the power of the infinity Infinity gem right he was able to travel forward and saw 14 billion something number of views of of different realities of where they went i think what what they're trying to say yes what they're trying to say is you can't you can't essentially jump fix something jump back and then your timeline is fixed once you jump and you do something you actually have to live out that timeline in that timeline you can't go back and expect it to fix your your own reality so mm-hmm. which makes sense to me um they're actually i i, I i'm not going to get into the details of it you guys can look it up but there was an actual scientific debate about time travel and and they did kind of come to the same conclusion which was you can't alter events in your in this time you would be altering events in that time so kind of if you if you were to look at time travel, it's kind of like you would be it'd be kind of like watching TV in the sense of like if you change something and then want to see its its events, you would have to skip ahead, like watching a DVD. Right. Yeah. the 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 concept of of your life is always going to be as it was. Yeah. Uh, like there's no sort of back to the future thing where it's like, I did something and now I'm fading away like that. Yeah. Uh, that kind of goes back to the, whatever happened, happened thing. Like it's um, for example, this morning, were you Ryan this morning on, we're recording this on March 14th, 2021. Were you visited by your future self and your future self was like, Hey man, what's up? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, <laughs> no, I was not. I wish I were, though. I mean, that would be really cool. But let me let me let me flip it to you. If you're if a version of you came in time and told you word for word what was going to happen, would you do it? I'd be pissed at that version. I would be like, why are you telling me this? Man? <laughs> I don't want to know. That's every time I go, like I would go to like an event or like a party or something where there'd be like a fortune teller there and they'd be like, Hey, would you like to know? I'd be like, nah, spoilers, brah. Don't tell me this. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, I'd be mad at myself and I, mm-hmm. I would, I'd be disappointed because I'd be like, I should know better than to go back yeah. and spoil things for myself. That's not cool. Um, I wouldn't I think, want to know. I think one thing I've always debated is like, I'm always happy with like the decisions I made because you know, that's they're set in stone. You can't change them. They happen the way they happen. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? But I'm always curious to see what would have happened alternatively. I mean that that curiosity always comes to play, right? Oh, um, a million but, percent, a million percent, right? right. Like, like doesn't it doesn't mean I regret the decisions I made. It's just I'm curious to see what would have happened had it played out the way it did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. But uh, but speaking speaking of that, so going back to the the whole movie for example so um we get 
I love that we get Ronin, that we get uh, the evolved version of Hawkeye. This is definitely down the roads in the comics. But I love that he's kind of like this super renegade, like vigilante at its like most purest form. And I loved how they shot it. And, and, and it's something you don't see in action movies a lot today. But I love that you see like this panning camera going along the building and you only see in like the windows, the moments of like the fighting. And then you'll see people fall out and you'll see like gun mm. flashes. So your mind has to kind of play out like what happened between the gaps. But I, I love that kind of cinematic storytelling uh, with camera with cameras and, and visuals because it's just so fun. It's it's so dark and gritty. Um, and I love the colors they use for this. But the other cool thing that I loved, um, the other cool thing that I loved about it was that it kind of reminds me of there are <laughs> there was this kind of fight scene, and the only reference I can think of was in Curse of Monkeys Island, the game, there's a scene where you fight these gangsters, but because the light blows out from the from the wind, um, the the whole room is dark and then lightning flashes happen. So you only see like a setup of a move. You never oh. see the move executed. You only hear it executed. And I love, I just, I love that. It's so good. I've never played that game, but that, that sounds really cool. Uh, I... I really like the scene, and you mentioned the colors. Oh, they're beautiful. I forget what city this is. I think, is he in Tokyo? He's in Japan, yeah. Yeah, just the way they make that city look is gorgeous. And they're, from what I remember from the Falcon Winter Soldier trailer, they're going to a city in uh, in East Asia as well, and it looks damn beautiful in that trailer. They're going to Mandapur. You want a metaphor? I can't wait to see how it looks. Uh, yeah, the whole Ronin thing, it was like, it was so quick in just in the, the broad strokes of this whole movie. I think it's like maybe a minute and a half of this whole movie was just this one little Ronin bit, but it stuck with me, man. And just the vision of him running around with his swords, that guy he's fighting. I don't know if he's a Marvel Comics villain, but that's definitely, mm-hmm. we really get the sense that there is a story there. And we're going to see more of it in the Disney Plus show. Yeah, yeah, we are going to see more of it. I don't know if he's a character. I mean, they don't give you enough to really... Um, uh, I don't know. He, he may be like a... He may be like a more more recent character. Like, it seems like an Ultimates comic book character. Right. But, Yeah um but he actually don't say his name i don't think and he doesn't have like a costume or anything he's just like a guy in the suit actually no they do say his name and sorry yes to 100 percent confirm he is in the comics Ooh. but he is like it was only like three years ago like it was oh, like okay. like he was introduced like i think like he had a year before before uh endgame came out like that's how recent the character is you know what wow. i mean um, but he's supposed to be, he's supposed to have ro- uh, robotic samurai armor. That's what he's supposed to look like in the comics. Um, but his name is Aki, 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 Akiho, Akiko, something like that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a super boss character. I'm sorry, anyone in, anyone that speaks Japanese or is Japanese, probably totally butchering this name. But it's A-K-I-H-I-K-O. Akihiko. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Anyways, super cool character. Um, yes, it is a comic book character. Uh, but yeah, the Japanese sequence is super cool. I I, th- I thought it was just great, great cinematic fighting. Yeah, 
and, and it, was, it, it was the whole thing was beautiful to look at and it uh, it answered a big question of like where's hawkeye been and yeah. that's up hopefully the show because i think that'll be that's a great way to set up that show um question for you yeah do, do you collect any of the marvel legends action figures no, I've been tempted many a times, many a times, but I, I'm one of those people where if I get one, I'm going to have to get the other, you know, 200 of them. So I, I, I figured if I'm, if my foot's not in the water yet, I don't have to go swimming. That, you're a smarter man than me, sir. <laughs> I, I'm the exact same way, but like I couldn't resist. And I started with Star Wars with the Black Series. And now you can't even see my, my, uh, my dresser because it's just covered in like Ewoks and shit like that. But the I remember the um, the what do you call it the toy promotions were coming out ahead of the movie, and that was where we got our first glimpse of their time heist white uniforms because Marvel Legends made the time heist variants. And yeah. unpopular opinion here, maybe I don't care for these time heist outfits. I think they're boring. I I couldn't agree more. Thank you um i couldn't agree more uh i think that i i like the suits i like the suit without the ant-man helmet i felt that everyone didn't need the ant-man helmet i also am curious as to why tony didn't wear his iron man suit because that's what war machine did (laughs) war machine wore his suit so i don't know um i kind of like their space outfit minus the helmet but I guess because you have to understand that they had to design the suit like Ant-Man suit because it's the only one that's proven that it can go subatomic, right? So I think that's why they did it. I agree with you. It's probably not the best design, but I think in terms of logic and continuity, it makes sense that that, that would be the suit they based you know, their suits on. Yeah, it definitely makes sense logically. I, I just remember seeing those toys and then seeing it in the movie and I'm being like, oh, these are... These are kind of boring suits. They're just like these white and red suits, uh, especially because everybody has such colorful, beautiful, like uniforms that yeah. it, it, it was like, oh man, I want to, I want to see those. Uh, but at least the time heist gives us beautiful callbacks, a beautiful celebration of the whole MCU. All these little different adventures. Everybody goes when when oh, they're standing it. there on that platform, and Cap is like, okay. We're going to split up. Us three, we're going to go to New York. You guys are going to go. I'm just like, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> uh, and yeah. we get we get another great um, hero on hero and then team up uh, that I loved seeing, which is and another one that I would never would have dreamed of, which is the Hulk and the Ancient One fighting and then teaming up. Like, yes. Yes, please. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love the overlaps um, uh, in the time. First of all, I love I love the whole montage of them figuring out the how and you know the what they're going to do and all this stuff. They're like, okay, the how works. So now we, now we need to figure out the where. And I love that they figure out that all three there are three stones in New York at a one given time. Um, so the interesting thing is, yes, uh, I love the 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 moments that they go back to so first of all they go back to the original avengers movie i love that they they play on certain commentary that we had uh, which was cap suit and i know you love Cap's suit in the first one but i i agree like it didn't i i agree to tony that it didn't work for him i don't think it looks great <laughs> uh but uh but hey you know that's america's ass that <laughs> is america's ass 
<laughs> oh my gosh so but i think that it was really cool i think that was really cool to do that and i love yes i love that they went to see and it's such a marvel moment that like hulk just goes to sanctum sectorum and there's the the sorcerer supreme right there um and the ancient one and i love that she does the astral form thing to him and like oh. talks to him and it's a battle of logic oh it's so good the fact that like i just love that the ancient one is so powerful yeah. that she can just stand there with like one arm behind her back and just be like <laughs> and like flick the hulk's chest as if she's swatting a fly and she hits him so hard she knocks his soul out of his body like oh, <laughs> i want just, nine movies of that <laughs> just that Give i want to learn that move wizard. in real life it just like <laughs> Oh, this guy's walking around just kicking people's souls out of their bodies again. Oh man, him! God damn it, we're gonna have to get cops. <laughs> but I loved it was a battle of logic, and and I love that you talked about the different timelines, right? Um, and I also love the overlaps where where they see like the old Hulk and he's just like smashing things around, like that poor uh that poor uh oh man the shatari soldier just gets on and everything and he's like i whatever i think it's grotesque banner says and then he's doing the whole like Rawr, you know trying to play the part uh but i do love the loki overlap with capturing loki uh and then i, ha I hate to say it guys i hate to say it i really don't get the whole secret empire nod that cap does where he's like hail hydra like that's cute but i never liked that story <laughs> Oh, is that what they're they're nodding to, like, a story? See, I just saw it as, like, a fun little, just, like, a, a fun Easter egg for MCU fans. I didn't realize there was more to it than the comics. But I, I love that elevator scene and how they turn it around. They they, they kind of did, in the comics, they kind of did a, uh, they did a kind of what-if story. And it was, like, what if Cap was a sleeper agent for Hydra the entire time? Uh, and then it kind of unfolds that way. And at first, it sounded like it was going to be a part of the main Cap story of, like, comics. And then they kind of retconned it and made it, like, an alternate universe thing. But I was I was so mad. I'm like, that's just lazy writing. Like, what if he was a hydrogen the whole time? Like, really? Like, really? Come on. Like, that's just... Ugh. What if Chris Evans called you right now and he's like, hey, Ryan? Hail Hydra. I I'd just be like Chris, I think you're cool and all, but just no. Just like, <laughs> my fiance wants wants you to grow your beard back, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Call call me back when you get your beard. <laughs> I don't hear any beard clinking against your your phone receiver. Call me back when there's some facial hair scruffing up your phone, man. Mm. Um, I think that one of the smartest things this movie did, and boy, did they do a lot of smart things. But one of the smartest things they did was deciding we're going to go take our worst movie we made and make it better by association by visiting the time and place of Asgard circa Thor the Dark World. Yep. Brav heckin' O. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And and we haven't talked about it enough, but I do love what they did to Thor, as, as Isabella mentioned way earlier on. Like, it is a great exploration of what depression can do to you. Mm -hmm. And I love Rocket. Rocket, who's wearing his classic Guardians outfit, outfit by the way. Um, he says he looked like melted ice cream. But we also get the nod and the little reassurance that Korg and Meek are okay. 
um, and that they're still there. They're still doing their thing. Uh, but I do love the, the, the fat Thor story arc. And I love that, you know, when he tells the story of like where the reality gem is and, and everything, he's like, it's actually like sludge. And he's like, Ooh, Jane, no, there she is. Like, it's, it's such a fun, you, you could tell when they were filming it, they wanted a second camera to capture their reactions for the first time. Because you see there's some moments where they're really holding back, like laughing at this guy because I love it. And he's and they're like, hey, you want some breakfast, some eggs? And he's like, no, I want a Bloody Mary. Okay. <laughs> Chris Ensworth, I, I, I think Taika really unlocked how to do Thor. And, and from that point on, they could just they, they're just having a blast. They're just well, he having found- such a good time. He found Thor. He found the the Thor that we needed. Uh, the it, whole he found the, the right whole... balance. He found the right balance of like like how smart Thor actually is, but at the same time, how just not not socially smart. You know what yeah. I mean? Like how socially not smart he is. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic scene. So at Asgard, I also love that they brought back uh, uh, Frida uh and um and and have that moment and i love that he like just breaks down he just lets it go it's it's such an honest emotional moment for thor and it's just so beautiful to watch yes i'm I'm glad he got that moment i'm glad we got to see natalie portman again uh and i i think this might be the funniest moment of the whole movie for me where it's we don't see it happen but it's implied that rocket just tased her in the back <laughs> i don't know why but yeah. it's just like the thought that like we we see jane again and she's just like hmm, i'm completely oblivious to what's going on and then along comes rock like i bet she turns around she sees a raccoon like, <laughs> like holding this little taser. <laughs> oh that that gets me every time but i fun fact though that wasn't natalie that wasn't like they didn't film natalie portman like that's actually deleted scene footage from Dark World that they used. That's right. Yeah, and that was very smart of them because they don't have to pay her more money. At least I don't think so. Or maybe they. Well, paid no, they they bit. paid her royalties for sure. Yeah. But like, um, because fun fact, that's that's that was a big thing about Back to the Future and why uh, Crispin Glover was yes. uh, was had had a had a rough spot with them because I think I don't know if that was the moment that kickstarted that, but that definitely was like one of the big things that put it in the spotlight was that they used a lookalike of him in Back to the Future because they needed to reshoot a scene and they didn't pay him for it. And then he caused a big stink about it. And rightfully so too. Um, and and then he got paid royalties for that. And I think they did the same with Natalie Portman. But they are bringing Natalie Portman back, which is great. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Uh, set photos have, have leaked uh, from behind the scenes. And uh, I will say she has jacked up for this movie, let me tell you. She, she looks has. pretty boss. You know what makes me really excited for her return is that we've never seen Natalie Portman be funny. And I guarantee you she's going to be funny in this movie. Oh, yeah. So I, that's gonna... Again, what Taika did for Thor, I think he's going to totally fix uh, Jane Foster's character. So I'm curious to see what he's going to do. And it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, you know how, speaking of Thor, you know how there's like, you know, there's there's immature nerds everywhere in the world, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, there, there's like immature nerds who would be, you know, they'd look at at uh, they'd look at this like Infinity War for example or something, and they'd be like, uh, in the comics, it was Cyclops who did that. This is I'm not gonna watch this movie, and, and they like boycott the movie. You know, there's like yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I oh, I man. legit I won't I won't name names here, but I legit know a girl. I know a girl who I was talking to her 
about Endgame. And uh, she she went to watch Endgame and she was so pissed that Thor was fat that she walked out and she didn't watch the rest of the movie. No. Thor is supposed to be the hottest man ever. No, no, this is stupid. And she walked out. Oh my God. Why? Just let it... Uh... Uh, some uh, people cannot be pleased. That's all nope. there is. To it. Nah. There's good uh, reason. Hey, man, I I am all for character changes, but you got to convince me. You got to tell me why they did it, or like you got to show me why this is happening to them. If you don't, if you don't justify it, and you're just like, hey, I changed it because it felt like it, then it's like, no, no. It's like a certain director when he filmed a certain terrible superhero movie. And he's like, I wanted to make them feel grounded and realistic, which is something you don't do with those characters. Are you talking it doesn't about make any same, sense. Talking about the same director who sewed Deadpool's mouth shut and put Gambit in a black trench coat. It or could be. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was the uh, it was the director that did the new Fantastic Four movie. I don't know if it's the same. Oh, one. right, right, right. Yeah, that guy. Which said, I still haven't. Said, I haven't watched that yet, but I think it's on Disney Plus now. So I'm really uh-huh. looking forward to like spending a day and. Getting myself in the right mood to be like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and I just, but I, I remember reading that quote verbatim, which was like, I just felt that. And it's cool. Hey, you know what? You take your, you, you make your choices. But again, just be careful. What You know your audience of, as to who you're making these choices about. <laughs> and, and casting wise, you know, I'm totally cool with it. Like cast who you want. Cause if you think they're good actors enough to play these characters, go for it. But the look of them, mmm. I'm going to make them grounded and realistic. That is two things you don't do with Fantastic Four. <laughs> and and then like the making everything dark too was just like, yeah. I remember watching the trailer and I, I don't understand how nobody in the whole movie making process, like somebody must've watched this and, and laughed like in that trailer where you have Sue Storm's dad shows up in this trailer and he's like, I'm like, okay, Sue Storm's dad is, you know, a, a father, a scientist, whatever. And this guy comes on screen and he's talking like this. We have cosmic rays. I found cosmic rays in space. And I'm like, why do you sound like a monster? You are <laughs> Sue Storm's dad. It's because we're dark and gritty in this movie. So and that's just the trailer. So I I know, I have a, an idea of what I'm in for, but... From what you've told me, who oh boy, oh boy, uh, I heard. I heard what they did to Doctor Doom is just, it's just, you just don't want to know. And then I heard that he built a machine via Nintendo sixty fours. There is no amount of science out there that can convince me that you can do anything with a bunch of Nintendo sixty fours. It just doesn't doesn't quantify that for me. But uh, anyways, let's get back to let's get back to end game here. Fun fact, so we're talking about, at this point, we're, we're in the heat of the, the, the time heist. Um, mm-hmm. But what I love, and I thought this was interesting, so Cap fights himself. And I love that he fights himself. It's really yeah. good. Um, and the fight ends with him headlocked or being headlocked by his opponent, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, and he just like, Bucky's alive, you know, fights, fights his way out of it. Um, but if you notice, Vision goes through the same thing. He fights himself, and it ends in a chokehold 
and it ends it ends with a, a statement that changes the the fight. And then and what was interesting about it is Cap saves Vision from Corvus Slave, which I thought was pretty interesting. That is such a cool observation. Yeah, we got the mm-hmm. two people fighting, and that Cap thing. I remember in when I was in the theater for Endgame, it reminded me of like back in the 90s when we would play like a game like Mortal Kombat or something and two people picked the same character, but like whoever made the game didn't put a huge amount of differentiation. So it's like one guy is playing a Sub-Zero and one guy is playing a Sub-Zero with a slightly lighter blue on his shirt. Like that's what that Captain America fight reminded me of. It's like his shoes are a little bit darker than his shoes. <laughs> yeah no but it, it was good it was a good fight and and it was fun to watch and i love that he's like bucky's alive and that causes him to, to snap um and that was really brilliant but i also love the little things like for example uh when when stark and ant-man are working together to get the case uh i love that we see the aftermath they get out of the elevator they run into um they run into good old robert redford uh, Alexander mm-hmm. Pierce, and he, 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 then it causes the heart attack. Loki grabs the gem, and now we know where we know what happens to that, which kicks off the Loki series, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and Hulk just bursts through the bottom, knocks the case out. That was really cool. Uh, now, in talking about different scenes, uh, we get to revisit Guardians of the Galaxy on Morag, uh, <laughs> and the Morag ain't no you. Uh, but uh, I love that we're kind of revisiting Indiana Jones kind of feel, and I love that we get the tape recorder scene again. And War Machine's like, "So he's an idiot." <laughs> oh, but and it, like again, you—it's so smart to show us the same scene but different. We're not hearing the music anymore, and we get another great team up with Nebula and War Machine. Like it's just mm. beauty on top of beauty. And I really liked the um, the whole Vormir thing, obviously with 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 Hawkeye and Natasha, which leads to some some big stuff. Uh, I I find it kind of interesting that Red Skull, when he greets you, he only says the name of one of your parents. Like, how does he choose? How does he make that decision? I guess it's whatever the uh, the Soul Stone wants to tell him. Ooh, so the Soul Stone has like a bias. Hmm. Uh, I, I like to think Soulstone I don't know if, has a Soulstone doesn't like divorce. Yeah, Soulstone, Soulstone only it refuses to acknowledge that anybody has more than one parent. So it's like, <laughs> if you if you were to to walk up to the Soulstone, it would be like uh, like it would tell Red Skull like only mention Gloria. That's it. We're not, we're not talking about his dad. But why? Just because I said so. <laughs> and I I don't know if it works this way, but I I imagine the Soulstone is like or rather Vormir and the way Vormir works is like, let's say you had the soul stone, you were holding it. Like it's yours. If I go to Vormir and Red Skull is like greetings. And I like throw my daughter off the cliff. Then I imagine you lose the stone. Like it flies out of your hand or something. And it comes to me. Right. Would that be how it works? I think that, Uh, I don't think it's that you're throwing the person, the person gets it, and then they die, and then it's given to you, if that's the way you're telling it to me. Um, no, like, you have it. You have had it for years. It's just you're sitting on your fireplace or whatever. And then I go to Vormir, and I yeah. kill my daughter like Thanos did. 
Oh. Does it like f- fly out of your house and be like, nope, somebody else did the thing, so now it's his? Like, is that the, is that the rule? Yeah, I mean, that's that. I don't know if that's how it works because I mean, the movie's logic. I don't know because like in the comics, it's essentially War Adam Warlock is just the protector of it. Like he just holds on to it. There's no mm. weird process of like sacrificing people in order to get it. Um, which also begs the question: How does Cap return it? Right, like that's that's the that's a real mind blowing one. Is how does Cap return it? Um, yeah, I guess I guess if you go to this platform, if someone's already holding on to it, then you you do it, or that essentially it resides until you're it resides with you until you're done with it. <laughs> I okay, honestly, like, I don't know how to answer that one. That's a, it's a tough one. Maybe it's like a genie, but instead of like three wishes you get one use you get to use the soul stone one time mm-hmm. and then once you use it you go to that little orange purgatory for a minute and your daughter's like what did it cost and then <laughs> the stone goes back to vormir yeah i think that but at the same time that, that logic's already wrong because the Thanos used him twice oh right okay, i yeah. think that i don't know i think i think you kind of have the right idea in the sense that it's just it's just you hold on to it until someone else does that whole, you know, trial by throwing someone off a cliff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you just have it. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Like, you got to earn it the hard way. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a good fail safe because, you know, we the bad luck was that Thanos did have somebody he cared about. But most people who were looking to cause destruction usually don't. And they wouldn't, you know, have enough foresight to bring that person with them to Vormir either. So it's like, mm-hmm. it was just a series of unlucky events that Thanos had a daughter he loved. And she happened to go with him to the very place where he had to sacrifice her uh, to Red Skull's god. Um, do you think Red Skull gets, like, days off? Uh, like, <laughs> today, today I'm not going in. Today I'm just going to sit at home and watch... I want to watch uh, the new episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys. I don't want to stand on a cliff. Uh, I think he just rests. You know, he just like kind of eternally sleeps until someone comes and crawl him. So really, I can understand why he'd be grumpy when people come 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 a call him because he's supposed to be eternally resting, right? Uh, (laughs) That's that's why he's like, you know what? Fine, I'll do it without vacation. But I'm only naming one parent. (laughs) Hey. <laughs> that's the trade-off because you abruptly came in yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah i i love that scene i love that like hawkeye and that they have this i think it was a beautiful full circle moment because i mean when we learned about them in avengers and know how close they are it it only made sense for them to go to vormir and have that moment to test their their friendship for each other and like and and I love that they fight. They literally fight to sacrifice themselves, and it's uh, it's this whole thing. And I think it was I, I there was there was a debate of like which one was going to come out, and they actually filmed both both ways. That that Ooh. actually Black Widow might have come out, but um, I think it was smart that Hawkeye walks away with it because you know um, it, it's the only way for Natasha really to get the red out of her ledger, as she so poetically mentions in the. In the first one and we still because of black widow the movie um because of black widow the movie we still we're going to see that grab bag moment where we're going to see what happens just before the events of 
Infinity War or was it before the event? I think it's just after Civil War. Yeah, just after, after they run Civil away. War. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. will be interesting to see. And that is like when they reach that moment when they're like planning their heist, and uh, I forget who I think it's Cap who tells everybody where to go, but he's when he says, "Clint, Natasha, you guys go for the Soul Stone." Was there a moment in your head where you're like, only one of them is making it back? Like, did you kind of see uh, this was where it was going? Because otherwise, how else are they getting it? Right? Yeah, it, that's kind of like, yeah, I, I knew that it was going to come down to them going for it. I really, at that point, like, I love Widow. I love Hawkeye. But at the same time, like, I felt like their stories were kind of pretty complete. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Like, for example, I just didn't know how they were going to go from there you know what i mean so yeah i kind of knew that one of them you know two go in and one comes out kind of thing um but what i what i want to get to that i was really excited about was i love that we got to see another time jump and we got to see the 70s so now we're getting another layer of of time traveling and and another era of time where we kind of get to learn a little bit more about the characters and everything and i thought that was brilliant because um again we're we're closing the gap of of time between the events of captain america to the events of like you know the recent stuff uh i and the only thing i will point out in this whole sequence is first of all i love that he sees peggy and all this whole nine yards but i love i love i love that we get to see uh hank pym with the classic golden age helmet that he's working on i love that oh man it was so good that helmet was beautiful. The de-aging on Hank was beautiful. For me, in that whole sequence, I freaked the hell out when I saw Jarvis. Yes. It was the first time they ever acknowledged the Peggy Carter show. Yeah. I freaked the hell out when I saw Jarvis. I was so happy that I, uh, that I did that. Uh, or rather that they did that. Uh, I had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was such a sweet little thing to do. And uh, it it made it made just a little bit of a difference. It's just like, yeah, we acknowledge that these things exist that you love, and uh, all it took was that one little moment. And again, of course, that beautiful Marty and George McFly thing going on between Tony and his dad, because mm-hmm. he needed that. That was a big deal for Tony. It was a yeah. huge deal to have that. So I'm so glad that they let that scene happen. And again, if this was a normal movie where they're like, it can only be two hours and five minutes because the studio chart said so. They would have had to excise that scene because of time and we wouldn't have gotten such a beautiful character-defining moment. So It's true. It's true. It, it was a beautiful character-defining moment. And again, I think the Russo's taking such an incredible cast of characters over so many different movies. Giving them a full circle moment is oh, so hard to do, but they did it. And uh, I love that we got to see probably one of the only characters to come from the TV series to the movies, um, Jarvis, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah. That was a pretty cool nod. So uh, so then they grab all the stones, they do their thing, uh, and then what happens is, is that uh, I, I love it. They come back. And I love that we get to see the Iron Man's version of the gauntlet. I thought that was yeah. really cool. I knew for a moment that I was just like, oh my God, just like mind head exploding. 
Uh, and I love that Thor's like, I want to do it. And they're all like, no, 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 no. You know, like, no, no, nobody do it. Like, no, you shouldn't do it. And, uh, and I love how Hulk does it, but there's a sweet moment because, um, in infinity war, when the snap happens, the first thing you hear is birds slow, the sound of birds slowly fading away. Ooh, right. And then when they snap again, um, and I love that. I, I love that Stark has this like barn door protocol, and uh, and the whole facility does this crazy thing. But I love that we also see. Um, I think at this point we're seeing the Avengers in their all new outfits uh, uh-huh. because we get to see Cap and probably my favorite iteration of the uh, of his out his series of outfits. Although I love his Secret Warrior outfit in Winter Soldier. I do love his, his Endgame outfit as well. Um, but when after the snap happens, um, Scott goes out to the windows and he's like, hey, do you hear that? And you hear the birds. You hear all the birds chirping. And then just <laughs> the worst thing, which is the explosion that just, oh my God, that was just insane. Way to kick off like this epic event. The And the explosion kind of, it leads into the final battle mm-hmm. kind of the final battle to end all final battles. And I will say this, it's, it's our, it's our only battle that has every Avenger in it. So it's, it's fantastic for that. And it's so emotionally, there's so much more emotionally going on than the final battles of the other Avengers movies. But, and I hate to say it, I think it's the ugliest looking one. Because everything is just covered in smoke and debris. It looks like a Zack Snyder movie. It's the most uncolorful thing you could see. And the Avengers goes hand in hand with color and beautiful visuals. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this huge epic thing was just covered in smoke and dust, it, it brings it down a notch for me. I wish it was just anything else, anything else that just yeah. made it more visible. Um I mean, it, it was very orange and brown, time. which is like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it, it needed, especially because it's the one time we see all those Avengers together. Like when everybody starts coming out of the portals, I'm like, ah, I wish I could make everybody out more clearly than I can. Like everybody just looks like an orange and brown blur, and that that took away from my love for this final battle. So it. This is not my favorite climactic fight in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it should have been. And I think this is the only thing holding it back. So that makes me, that bums me out just a little bit, but it didn't, uh, it didn't ruin the fight for me by any means. Sounds uh, like it did, but <laughs> it, it, it just, it made it less joyous to look at. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and especially because a lot of these people, like, like we're seeing rescue in her armor for the first time. We're seeing, one of the coolest things I've ever seen on a film, which is Valkyrie riding on her Pegasus and killing stuff. And we're seeing Thanos with a sword. We're seeing Cap with the hammer. Like we're seeing so much beautiful imagery, but it's, mm-hmm. it's covered in, it's choked in grit and ash. It's like the two new Godzilla movies. It's like, I, I saw movies where there was smoke on the screen and I think there were giant monsters behind the smoke, <laughs> but I couldn't tell you. Uh, yeah. So I, I wish they had gone with just a better visual choice. Um, and I don't, I don't know offhand how they could have done that, but I, that's just kind of what I wish 
you could have gotten just something more visually pleasing. I did notice something cool. Did you notice there's a really cool difference between Thanos's gauntlet and Iron Man's gauntlet? Besides how Iron Man's is red. Did I notice something different? Yeah, there's a cool difference. Very simple, but very effective. No, I can't think of it. Thanos's is on the left hand and Tony's is on the right hand. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Mm. All right. That is Cause cool. Because you're polar opposites, man. It's all it's all symbolism. Oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, wow. Yeah, no, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That's interesting. What I, what I will say, though, in terms of the fight scene you were talking about, um, mm. I think the biggest fight for me, I mean to see the spectacle of everything was just epic. Like you're getting information overload. You're seeing so many characters and the planned and the planned line that uh, Wong says is like what you wanted more. They, uh, the Russos were talking about introducing Nova in, in the end story. So Nova has been pretty close to being introduced a couple times. Um, but what they did say was the reason why they put that line in there is like, we already have a lot of really high quality characters. So like, do you really want more? Like, I think it's like, we kind of think it's enough, you know what I mean? Like without having to take more time to explain more characters kind of thing. Um, and which is interesting because I think the way they would have done it was that scene where Captain Marvel comes out of the sky and like, just totally goes right through the ship. Um, super cool, by the way. Uh, I, I actually, there was a, there was a small moment where I'm like, that could have been Nova. That could have easily been Nova coming in and that, like adding that little extra spice. But I think it was smart that they did it that way. Uh, I will also say that, um, uh, I will also say that I think the, the real show stealing part of that fight was the th- fight between Cap Iron Man, Thor versus Thanos. Those three and Thanos actually had a pretty sweet fight. And it was cool too. Uh, You know, uh, first of all, when Cap's shield breaks, uh, it is exactly as he, as Tony Stark saw it in WandaVision. Or sorry, in uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, because that sword can cut through vibranium. I want to, like, what, that sword should get its own spinoff series. Like, what's going on there? Who made that? But yeah, you're right. It's the exact thing that he saw. It's like cracked kind of asymmetrically, not quite down the middle. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a mean question now. Ron. Oh, don't ask me a mean one. Okay, go yeah. for it. Go for it. Hit me. Cruel. Here comes some cruelty. You can only have one. Are you keeping Cap lifting Mjolnir? Or are you keeping the portal opening and hearing Falcon say on your left? Oh, I have to go with Captain Mjolnir. I, I the that scene should have felt predictable, but everyone was surprised. Everyone was surprised, and and it kind of unlocked a lot of conversations. Um, a lot. I, I think the Russos were even saying like, "Oh yeah, with 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 Age of Ultron, like Cap could actually lift a hammer, but he chose not to embarrass Thor." Like, I loved all those little things, but it's such a beautiful full circle moment because it's a moment you forget about that they all were trying to lift the hammer. And even at the end of Age of Ultron, they were talking about lifting the hammer and being worthy. And Cap Cap had the right idea and he was able to, he, he was able to catch it 
And I will tell you that I love that the Russos filmed the theater that they went to when, when they first showed it. Um, but I will say I choked up pretty crazy when I choked up pretty uh, a lot when I saw Cat Pick Up the Hammer because it was just such a big moment. It was so cool. And it was like, wow, man, he's going to do it. Like, he's picking <laughs> up the hammer. Like, it was, oh, man, it was awesome. And, Did your and, theater go like bananas when it happened? Oh yeah, our theater like our theater was just like what, and then everyone went nuts. Um, but it was like the way Cap uses it too. Like he's just like throwing the shield, then using the hammer creates a thunder like a huge thunder sound, and then like he like uses like a mace, uppercuts him. Like the whole thing was so fun. Um, and it was just great to see him go like the store go like, oh, you know, I knew it. He's worthy. It's just uh, it the moment. Um, but what about you, sir? If you had to choose. Uh, it'd be a hard choice because I love watching reactions, reaction mm -hmm. videos of that. Like, I just love hearing those crowds just go nuts when that happens. But I think I would go with Falcon coming through the portal and saying on yeah. your left. Um, I think that it was like the, the silence that you hear and just, you know, Cap's earpiece is, is going off and it's kind of garbled and there's some static and then his voice comes through clear. And to have that happen as a, a callback to Winter Soldier and all of that, and it's like, you you did it, we're, we're here for you. It's, it's like 90s me watching that Spider-Man cartoon where he's like, I'm going to team up with Doctor Strange. And it's like a big deal. Or like, this is the one where I meet Wolverine. And I'm yeah. sitting there like, yay! For that, <laughs> for that portal to open up and all those people to come through, like alone would have been fantastic. But to, to include that line in there, mm -hmm. give Marcus and McFeely every writing award there is. Yes. Yeah. And... And there's there's more. I have more awards to give them, but we haven't gotten there yet. But there's there's more awards to give them. Well, it's it's a crazy scene for sure. I mean, yes, I also had that moment of like being a kid and like mm -hmm. Spider Man teams up with like the X Men or Doctor Strange. It's like yeah, they can, right? Um, but I I will say I also just love the reintroduction of all the characters because you have to take a step back and understand how just how many characters have been introduced in the MCU thus far. Um, and I, and again, I love seeing giant man coming out of the rocks and, and, and bringing out all these things. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then on top of that, uh, the black Panther and, and just hearing the, you love me. It was so good. It was just, oh, it was just pure joy. And the, and yes, the fight scene though, color wise, it was a bit dull. I mean, it was great to see so many overlaps, like um, like uh, uh, Spider-Man being picked up by Valkyrie, and oh. and this goes back to that scene we talked about with Wanda, who who almost takes down Thanos single-handedly, like like just rips him apart. It was so good to see, and it's funny too because I go back and watch that war scene every once in a while. I love it so much, but in the end, it's really short. It's not that long. It's it's like, I've never about it. five minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, I've never kept track of how short it is. Um I th this the fight though, like you mentioned like Valkyrie picking up Spider-Man, like it's so it, it's us as kids with all our toys on the floor and we're like 
Greedo and He-Man are going to team up and they're going to fight Megatron. <laughs> that's what that was. It's true. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like, if, if that scene had been lit, like the battle of Wakanda or like the battle in the, in the Munich airport, standing ovation like they were oh gorgeous yeah nothing bad to say if it had been lit that way well i even love that like we i i even loved it uh when that when all the ladies got together and just like we had all these like female avengers and going to take them out like i love to see the wasp just like reappear like standing aside captain marvel and and wanda and all that like it was it was uh it was great to see and then i also uh the other thing i loved about it was so when they're like oh what friday where are they firing at and then captain marvel comes in um i do love that she was like going hand to hand with thanos because she's she's supposed to be able to go toe-to-toe with the hulk so it was cool to see that i think they could have taken that further i do think that fight was very tame it was just like thanos wasn't winning okay power stone boom headbutt you know like all this stuff um it was very uh it was very quick but um yeah it was it was fun to see and we see doctor strange kind of do this like i don't even know what it is like magical body slam kind of move it was great to see um so yeah i believe it's called do you smell what the strange is cooking i think (laughs) stanley made that up in 1968 yeah it definitely felt like that i wanted to say i want to say it's like the um not the not the uh, i want to say it's like the flames of the fall team but it's it's not I, I know it's definitely not that it's uh or the seven rings of ragador i think it's something like that but anyways does the slam um but yeah i felt that thanos fight between him and captain marvel was pretty short and i feel like she knows he's the biggest threat so i felt like that fight should have been bigger and more epic between them um i would have loved to seen a little bit more overlap between like her fighting with Cap, Thor, and Iron Man to like take him out, like maybe add a fourth into the ring and see how mm. how Thanos deals with all of them. Um, and uh, yeah, so and then the snap. So let's talk about the Iron Man snap. So Robert Downey said he hated the idea of saying "and I am Iron Man" and snap. He just wanted it to be that moment of like he has it and snap. Do you do you agree with this choice, or do you think it was smart for him to say "I am I am Iron Man"? I think it was, I, I like him saying I am Iron Man because again, it's it's like poetry, they rhyme. Uh, that's his final line of Iron Man 1. So it's taken it back. It's reminding you in all these beautiful little ways just how long this story has been going on for. Yeah. And it's like, I, I have, I'm sure I brought this up before, but I have like so many students who are like 11, 12 years old and just the other day, yesterday, I was talking to one of my students and he's like, oh, I love Tony Stark. I wish I could be like Tony Stark. You know, this kid is like 12. He was not born when Iron Man 1 came out. That's how young he is. And he grew up with this. Like, can you imagine growing up with this cinematic universe, right? Like, it, it just, it blows my mind to think of what these kids get to experience. So if you were like a little kid, if you were, if you were, seven years old and you watched iron man one you have that's locked in of that amazing you went through this amazing experience that ended with those words i am iron man beautiful that's locked into your childhood now you're 17 going on 18 you're going into college things are scary the world's a scary place you're expected to be an adult you have to pay bills and talk about taxes all of a sudden taxes what's that i don't i don't like that and here comes this movie 
And here comes that hero. And he's, he, he brings you there with four words. He brings you back. And it's like those 10 years haven't even happened. And you're back and you're a kid again. And you're watching that movie for the first time. And it all coalesces into this, this little pleasure center of your brain that tells you like, yeah, you're back. You're back. So a hundred percent. You, you should say I am Iron Man a hundred percent. And apparently the rumors are that at one point, <laughs> I'm really glad they didn't do this, but there's a rumor that at one point they were toying with having him drop an F bomb and just say like F you to Thanos and then snap his fingers. Yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think are you, I, are you for or against? Uh, I'm I'm for it. I agree with the Russos. I think that they definitely needed to go back and 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 do that one shot because I think it's such an important it, it is such an important moment because again it goes back to the first movie which is about Iron Man becoming the difference for Tony Stark like Iron, like Tony Stark realizing that he is the difference right mm-hmm. it's not about making weapons for other people it's about it's about him shaping the world but in order to do that he needs to fix his problems that he created so that's why he made iron man um so in order to do that that's why he is iron man um and and i mean the end credits of the first one is is like uh i am iron man he's like you think you're uh you think you're the only superhero out there and it's like you just become part of a larger universe kind of thing but it's also a great line because he does think he's a superhero right he's not the only one but he is one and he is the one that saved, he is the one that saves them. And I think it's perfect. So um, I think a lot of people were predicting he was going to, he was going to be the, uh, the guy going to be the one that is going to die. But, uh, but yeah, I think it was, I think it was predictable in the, in the, the way it should, in the sense that it should be that way. Yeah. The, the way this movie ended played out in a way where like, I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined it going any other way. Like it's exactly the way mm-hmm. I want it to and exactly the way I think it should. Uh, and in, in that same scene from Iron Man one, where he says, I am Iron Man in that same final scene, like we get another super heartbreaking callback to that because at Tony's funeral, what does his daughter say? She's hungry for She's hungry for cheeseburgers, man. That's what he yep. was hungry for. Oh my back. God. Ah, it's not fair. It's so it's so good. It's not it's not fair. That's how good the writing is. It's it's not fair. It's it's so well written. Um, Those two writers are just absolutely incredible in their writing team. Um, I will say though, it's funny talking about Tony Stark references. Uh, When Scott Lang comes back, he he talks to a young boy and he's like uh, he's like, hey, what happened here? And the young boy gives him silent treatment and, and rides off. And we see that young boy yet again later on um, at Stark's funeral. And what's funny is I didn't realize this the first time I saw it. Do you know who that kid is? No, I didn't know that was the same kid. I thought that was the kid from Iron Man 3. That is the kid from Iron Man 3. And he just happened to be going by on the bike when Scott Yeah. Went wow. Same okay. Kid. Wow. It's supposed to be the kid. And I just don't... This, this just goes to show you how broken I think Iron Man 3 was because in terms of just like that film being all over the place and because that kid just doesn't have enough presence to be like, why is he there? You know what I mean? Like, why is the kid there? Aside from like the funeral, which is like, oh yeah, he helped him because he, you know, the kid was being bullied and, you know, Tony Stark changed his life. But why is he there? Do you think they have plans for him? 
I don't think so. I don't. I don't see that. I think. I think that kid plays the only role that kid plays. And if the if the kid so happens to be listening to this podcast, dude, it's not your fault. I would have been. I would have loved to have been that kid in that movie, regardless of how that movie played out. Um, but I, I think that kid plays a role in the sense of like it showed Tony that he needs to believe in people because Cap's yeah. all about believing in people, and that kid was the first one to to make to make Tony start to use help him. Um, and then through helping him, that starts the path of civil war when he goes to find Peter Parker and realizes this kid can catch a car, uh, you know, and on top of that, you know, building the rescue armor for Pepper. Like, uh, I actually think when we see Ironheart, uh, you know, I think Ironheart, I think what's going to happen with that story is she's going to get, I think her story is going to be very much like the comics in that she's going to get a piece of Stark's armor from a battle or something and she's going to see that message uh that's like hey like that message that's meant for the like pepper and and the daughter and mm-hmm. and she's going to be like you know what yes you, you know you wanted to build a better world i'm going to help you build that better world and so that's where that story is going to kind of kick off i think that'll be pretty cool um so yeah or or even war machine will start to look for start to look for some new recruits kind of thing but either way um i i love that i thought it was beautiful uh i also love cap's full circle story i think it's brilliant because his fear was the war would never be over and and he would have to keep on fighting because that's his home that's what he does um but i love that he learned from tony stark which is you know what like live your life dude like go out and live your life yeah and this is where I have to give all the awards to Marcus and McFeely because yeah. to me, you know, Endgame is a blast, but to me, the highlight of Endgame is panning into that house and he's having his dance with Peggy finally. Oh boy. <laughs> all the feels, man. All the feels. I loved it. I, as someone who really fell in love with Captain America's story in the MCU, and again, you gotta you gotta take a step back and realize how monumental this is. Like, <laughs> had I gone had had this version of me gone back in time, which is funny, we're talking about it, and told me that the a Captain America movie would be infinitely better than any Spider Man uh, or X Men movie at the time. Uh, I would have laughed at myself. I would have been like, you are an idiot. You you sold out, man. You sold out. And that's <laughs> that's how I would have felt. But but it's I fell in love with Cap's story in the MCU. It was perfect. It was a perfect, flawless story. And on top of that, it even gives me that extra little spice when he passes the torch. He passes the shield on to, to Falcon. It's perfect. It's perfect. <sighs> He's such an easy character to get wrong because in unskilled hands, he could be so dull. Yeah. You know, he could just be the boy scout. He's like, I'm going to do everything right. America. And like, I've, I've read some comics, like I don't have any actual captain America comics, but I've read some comics where he shows up Mm -hmm. and he's the least interesting part. I think he's in like a cable and Deadpool comic that I have. And he's just like, well, Deadpool, let's go over there and fight those Hydra agents. And I'm just like, he's so boring. Look at him. What a doofus. And, you know, compared to the Steve Rogers we've come to know in these movies, he's just, 
he's outstanding. He's so, uh, I agree. I never would have thought I'd see the day when this would happen. And I was actually just talking to our friend uh, Robin, uh, I think it was last week. And he was, he reminded me of something. He's like, do you remember before Marvel or rather before the MCU? He goes, do you remember how every superhero movie ended the same way where it was like a tracking shot of them, like running through the city or whatever. And they're like some kind of voiceover is like, this is why I do what I do. This is why I'm a hero. This is why I'm <laughs> Spider-Man. And it's like all of them ended that way. And like even the old Fantastic Four with that stupid thing of Human Torch making a four in the sky. And it, it, and he's like, yeah, do, 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 do. We're, we're still here. We're heroes. We go from that to a movie ending with just two people dancing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it, it takes me to a place where I'm just like, we, it's a level of maturity that didn't exist in, in the movies back then. And again, like these kids who grew up with these, they, they don't know how lucky they have it, man. Cause they, they didn't have to sit through, you know, like, this is my curse on Ghost Rider. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why my Ghost Rider sounded like Sue Storm's father. Uh, he should have sounded more like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> this is my curse. If I'm the only one who can walk in both worlds. Um, <laughs> but now we've we've leveled up and we've entered this new era. And like it's I did the first thing that the first thought that went through my head in that movie theater when I saw Peggy and Steve dancing and I heard that music and they almost kiss and we cut to black and we see, you know, the credits. First thought I went through my head is like every person who works for the DC movies should be peeing their pants right now. Yeah. They should be peeing their pants because yeah. how the hell do you top this? I don't know, man. I, Cause like, the main three, which is which is Cap, Iron Man, and Thor, and even in the Avengers, they're I think they're like the the main they're called the main three or something like that, uh, or the big three. Um, even Thor's story, like Thor's, like just realizes he has to move on, like it's it's perfect, and and I love it's done in a hilarious and humorous way, where he's like he's <laughs> Star Lord, and he's like he's like. Uh, yeah, 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 you're the leader, you're the leader, you're the leader, yeah. Yeah, and just, like, the way he looks at him is so <laughs> And, like, Star-Lord's like, Star-Lord's like, yeah, because I'm, I'm the leader. And he's like, of course, of course, of course. But, like, every, like, Iron Man, you couldn't have given him a better full circle story. It's, 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 it's the Superman story you'd want kind of thing mm -hmm. in, in the best kind of way in, the, in terms of sacrifice. Um, Cap. I agree with you. the The end with the dancing is is just perfect. It is the best full circle moment for that character, and and giving giving Falcon the shield and uh, um, it's it's so good. It's just uh, it's such an honest, humbling moment. And it's it's now that we're at this point of the movie, I will have to say it's such an emotional moment. And you're right because not only that you have to sit back and, and now that these most of these character stories have concluded um uh my brother and i had a pretty emotional moment talking about it because we were saying to each other like that was a journey that like we invested together you know what i mean mm -hmm. like like we were we were just out of high school when iron man i think it was uh, yeah just out of high school when iron man came out and uh and like you 
once you see the end of this movie, you're like, that's it. Like, that's, that's it. That's, it's like how many years in the making and, and you made it, you did it, you got through it. And, uh, and you have these moments because like for me like i had i had that moment with my brother an emotional moment because like it made me look back to like all the times we would go to the pre-screenings together and see those movies and and even with even going to like infinity war and black panther with you like having those moments of those movies and just being like that's it like this that that's that's an end of a chapter like that's the end of that story that you've emotionally invested in for so many years and to just literally just close the book and and put the book away is is a very emotionally hard feeling it is it really is and like we uh, we were in our first year of college no our second year of college when iron man came out yeah and and uh you know that takes us all the way to last two years ago now with endgame uh wow it's already been two years since endgame came out but Mm -hmm. uh we you know it it doesn't feel like a. I'm sure it doesn't feel as big of a change to us as it does to like those kids who were seven when Iron Man came out. And like, I think for our generation, what I always go back to is Toy Story. Toy Story one, I'm as old as Andy. And then Toy Story three, I'm out of college. I'm going out into the world as a grown up now, air quotes around grown up. And I'm like, wow, here I go. And then here's this movie where those toys, they're not with Andy anymore. Like that was, that was my equivalent of like, oh my God, like it's, it's wrapping up that story from when I was a little kid. And that really, that like punched me in the gut. So this, I like, this did it to me even without that transition from child to adult. So I can only imagine what it's like for those kids. Uh, And I've, I've yet to meet, like most of my students are like, younger so i've yet i want to meet somebody who's like 19 right now because that would put them in the the right spot like 19 or 20 and be like okay what was this journey like for you uh to go from being the perfect age as a little kid watching iron man one to going to endgame like how did that make you feel uh if if anybody listening falls in that category you know what to do you know who to talk to we're right here (laughs) we want to hear your stories honestly i want to hear how that made you feel seeing that chapter close Mm -hmm. uh now the 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 last question that remains before we wrap things up is where do you see things going from here what is saga (sighs) what happens next i don't i i I don't even know where to begin like Mm -hmm. um you know what though? I would have loved. I think. I think as as uh, it would be a dream. It would have been a dream to meet Kevin Feige at the beginning of the MCU and and just been like, this is cool. I can't wait to see what this turn becomes. But leaving enough of an impact so when I see him at the end of Endgame, I can come back to him after all those years and just being that one. Like you just have that have that memory of that, that talk we had before the MCU and then after and just be like, dude, wow. Just wow. Actually there, it was funny because Marvel did a contest and I, I don't know if it was for, I think it was for far from home or it was Endgame. I can't remember, but it was one of the two, but they had a, a social media contest that inspired me to do it. But 
they wanted you to take a post of your favorite memory for each Marvel film. Ooh. And and so you literally had to do like a series of I don't I can't even remember how many movies now it is, but you had to do one for each film. So you had to tell the story of why, and it was just it was amazing to go back and just recall so many of them. Like, like and they're so, they were like personal memories, like not like this is my favorite scene, but like yeah, I have a memory of what was going on in my life when you know Thor came out like that that kind of thing yeah yeah they uh, they were looking for like your personal story um so for me uh like I'll, I'll see if i can just pull up one random one real quick uh like i was really invested in in telling that story but it was just amazing to reflect on all the different uh different movies that were out there uh da, da, da. okay yeah the first one i have is my Iron Man moment was watching the first movie and hearing Tony Stark announce, I am Iron Man. I felt at that moment, uh, I, I was becoming a part of a larger universe and I just didn't know it yet. Ooh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What a great contest. Whoever came up with that, that's a that's an awesome, and it really gets people to share mm-hmm. really personal things. Because I mean, like, everybody can look at, uh, you know, the infinity war and say like, Oh, the best part is when Thor comes with Stormbreaker, but like everybody's going to have a different personal tale about infinity war. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very true. Like even for cap, I said, uh, my favorite moment about captain America is that he reminds me, even though that these Marvel heroes may be fiction, it's what, uh, it's what they mean to people that can be real and provide a great moral compass. Um, but yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's just, it was, it was a great contest and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think like the winner got to go to like a big premiere. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a really good idea, but it definitely showed, demonstrates the, the value and, and the impact the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had, but where we're going from here, bleh, I mean, there's three ways you could do it. Secret War, um, which I think is the obvious choice. Because the mm-hmm. Russo brothers said they would love to do that. Um, Secret War, uh, Secret Invasion, uh, or uh, The Coming of Galactus. Those are your three. I think those are your big three. I think, I don't know. I, I don't even have any anything to back this up. This is just what I think visually. As I, I think Galactus slash multiverse stuff is Saga 2. Yeah, and I think Secret War is going to be Saga three. Again, I have nothing to back that up. That's just how. It, yeah, it it feels right. I, I I couldn't even tell you why. It just feels like that's the direction it could go. It's still so early. It's so early, but I I think that Secret War is the likely outcome because the Young Avengers play a role in the Secret War, um, in terms of helping the heroes realign the universe. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's so early to tell. I think I think the big one, the big the big one is Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange will tell us exactly where this is going. I would like to say Black Widow, but Black Widow is such a far fetch. Yeah, yeah, Black Widow is not going to point us in the right direction. No, I think Black Widow will help us establish some some enemies, like some cool villains that may play a role throughout the the series. But I don't think it's going to flesh out the actual story. Yeah, I agree. And and speaking of her, let's uh, dive into our Marvel Memorial Cemetery because mm-hmm. it's time to 
This is going to be tough. I was not looking forward to having to do this, but it's time to add Black Widow to our list mm-hmm. of the dearly departed. Uh, all right. So here's what I imagine Black Widow's tomb grave is like. I imagine it, somebody carved out of marble a big, beautiful ledger with no red to be seen. <laughs> I feel like that's the emotional way to do it. If I were to do it the funny way is, uh, is uh, oh, those really, st- or oh, that really stings, doesn't it? Because she talks about her widow stings. <laughs> and when she used it on herself, she's like, oh, those really do sting. Um, that's, what, that's what I would say. It says, oh, that really does sting. <laughs> Oh no, poor girl. You're going to mock her in death. That's awful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And sorry. It needs to be said. Oh boy. And then Thanos. Thanos Mm -hmm. is also getting buried in the cemetery. But then you, that would include Proxima Midnight, Corvus Glaive, Obsidian. I I put them in Infinity War. I put them in there. I put the Black Order. They they die. (laughs) Yeah, because there's so much like undoing of death that I was just like, okay, whoever died in Infinity War, not from the snap, we just threw them in the graveyard for that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Vision's already in there. Gamora's already in there. Uh, So Thanos needs, I I feel like he needs, I, I think... For sure, he needs the the scarecrow with the the helmet on it. Yeah, right. That's got to be over his tomb. Uh, what would it say on the tomb? Uh, oh man, that's a tough one. Perfectly I, balanced as yeah. all things should be. I have another funny one, but I don't think. I should oh. Do it. oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know why I'm the funny one this time. Usually I'm coming up with more clever uh clever exits, but uh you got you got the the more emotionally weighted ones, but uh I'm hiring you to write my tombstone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh well RIP Black Widow. RIP yeah. Thanos. Yeah. Um I'm sure we'll see Thanos again in like Eternals or something. I, I don't think we've seen the last of him either, but uh Yeah, I don't think I think for either. the most part he's done. Uh, so it's time to rate the movie out of a certain amount of stones. Are we giving it zero infinity stones or one, two, three, four, five, or six infinity stones? Or are we going all out and giving it an infinity? I'm giving it two gauntlets, two. Holy crap. (laughs) Double. Cause there's two gauntlets in the movie. There's two gauntlets in this one. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely give it, it like you. There is, it's one thing to tell, like, it's one thing for what Josh Whedon did to bring all these characters together in one movie. It's one thing to do it twice. It's a whole nother thing to wrap up, you know, three phases worth of stories into one film and still have an ending that, like, speaks volumes about the entire saga. (laughs) I... I am more than happy to give you two gauntlets for this if you want, because I, I, you blew my mind with that. It's so unprecedented. I think yeah. that's that's genius to give it two gauntlets. Wow. Yeah. I, I also give it an infinity gauntlet. I think at the end of the day, and I mean, I'm still, I've still only seen Endgame twice, uh, once in the theater, and then once like a couple of weeks ago for this rewatch. 
So I, I want to get to know it better. I want to take it out on a few more dates and kind of see what kind of person Endgame is because right now in my brain, I like Infinity War better. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that is subject to change. Like it's not a big gulf. It, it's it's a small, small difference. And I think with time, it might flip-flop. It might not. But uh, the, the, the power of this movie is still very present. And I think it's very telling that, and I think I said this before when we covered Infinity War, I feel like this movie feels shorter than Infinity War. And I think that's very telling. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I think Infinity War had a, a a faster rhythm to its dance, you know, like it kind of it moved a little bit quicker uh, because I think the action sped it up a bit. This one did. This one had action, but it was all compacted near the end. It didn't have as much action in the beginning of the film as it did in the end. Right. But all the time high stuff and everything like that still feels like when I walked out of that theater, I was like, I don't feel like I've been there for three hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. And- no, in the end. Yeah, definitely. Again, it was one of those just time things, right? It's like the quantum realm. It just yeah. fell. <laughs> Even though it's three hours, it felt like 30 movie. minutes, you know? I uh, know. I mean, my my heart stopped for a bit when, when Captain Marvel did her like walk up to Thor thing. But other than that, yeah, it was breezy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that it's it's a beautiful movie. And it's, um, you remember all the hype for like trying to find out the title before the title was announced? Yeah. And there were so many. Did you have theories for the title? Oh yeah, I think it was. Uh, there was an annihilation one out there that you might have liked. Yeah, um, Christine is biding her time. <laughs> She's biding her time. Uh, there was another good one. There was. Um, oh man, there was. Uh, there was a few. I remember just reading all the possibilities. I remember someone did call out Endgame, and then the Russo brothers went out and was like, "Oh, it's not going to be Endgame," and then it was Endgame. Yeah. So I remember they played with the audience a bit, but. Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of debate of what it was. I think it was, um, yeah, or it was like Avengers till the end or something like that, or Avengers, mm-hmm. Avengers, uh, Avengers Forever. I think was another one. Forever is cool. I think I like Forever more than Endgame, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like a cheesy '90s movie, but because mm-hmm. it's the fourth one, it's I kind of like it. I I remember because we kind of knew time travel was going to be a factor. I was gunning for Eternity War. Yeah. Because I remember hearing that somewhere. And I thought, okay, cool. Infinity is about, it's like space. So Eternity War can be about time. Um, but I really like Forever. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, Avengers Forever, man. Avengers Forever. I mean, I'm, I, Kevin Feige, man, just don't stop. Don't, I, I you know, I hope, I hope that, I hope that your projects will always be well received. I hope that we don't get to a point where it's just like there's like bad ones out there, and I don't think there will be just because of the the, the multi genre approach he's going with and the le- level of storytelling and all the characters he has. But you know what? I, I hope though. I hope that when when time comes to end it and he needs to end it, that he just ends it gracefully and just calls it a day. Like there's no need to. Like I I would have been I would have been content if they did stop at like and if like imagine a world where they did stop at Endgame because again mm-hmm. it's just such a complete story that you don't need to go further but I love that we I, I just as much as I would love and be content for it to end like that I love it just as much to carry on as long as it can same I want I want it to end with a bang not with a whimper like yeah. 
you don't want uh, the last movie to be Dark Phoenix, you know? Like you 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 want it to be something special. Who knows? Maybe he has a plan. Maybe he's like a hundred movies and it ends. Maybe that's his like and like for mm-hmm. for all we know, right? Um, but uh, there, that's I think that's a question for another day. The end of the MCU question mark? Like that's mm-hmm. there's a lot to to dissect there. Uh, well, it's the end game now. Um, <laughs> so one more movie left in our Infinity rewatch, Ryan. Yeah, and, and then we're just, bro, we're, then we're just exploring all new territory in the all world of Infinity Rewatch. I, I get, I get reminders, not reminders, but I get like things on social media every once in a while that's like, here's your post from two years ago. And it's like our first episode. Yeah. Just, I, I can't yeah. help but think back to uh, this beautiful final scene and be like, it's been a long, long time. But I have some, I I have a a cool idea for something that I want us to do after our Spider-Man Far From Home episode. And I'll tell you about it when we record our Spider-Man Far From Home episode, because it's something that I think is going to be really interesting. I have a cool idea. I actually am coming up with ideas myself. I actually have a cool idea I want to do with you. Perfect. Um, but I will I will wait till the reveal session and then we'll reveal. Ah, that's so exciting. Oh, and there's yeah, there's there's a lot more. Just because we got to the end doesn't mean Infinity Rewatch is in the end game, dummies. It doesn't yeah. mean we're done. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. so until next time, Ryan, where can the good people find you? As always, guys, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada, uh, hosting a bunch of gaming streams on there. So make sure you check me out on there. And then you can also check me out on Twitter uh, at uh, Crusader Online. And you can find me on Captain America's left. Uh, you can on the social media. Damn, that was on, good. Uh, I wish I came uh, up with thank that. Thank you. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube, Andrew Fantasia. And uh, here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network, you can also find me talking about the Star Wars and other things like that. Uh, as we record this, we're only a few days away from Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out. And we're only Woo-hoo! a few days away from Zack Snyder's Justice League coming out, which I'm very excited for. Um, but by the time you hear this, they'll have already come out. So they'll be old news to you. But uh, we'll definitely be talking about those in the near future. So... Ryan, as we reach the end game of end game, I think there's only one thing left to say. Have a marvelous day. <laughs> <laughs>